Hey, all you Trek Live crew members, this is Trek Live Dan. Just wanted to say thank you for dropping by the podcast feed. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is recorded live first on our YouTube channel, so definitely um, stop on by to join the discussion. Without further ado, enjoy the show. I have four episodes 76 of Trek Live. Hopefully, everyone can hear everyone um, in this. Um, let us know on the stream. Um, Bill, what are we talking about today, this morning? Talking about the new episode of Star Trek Discovery, New Eden. Um, yeah, definitely let us know if you can't hear me. Um, last week, I think my audio was a little quiet or something. Yeah, we so. had a little hiccup. Yep, I know Rob's in here, so um, give us the all clear if we're all good. But yeah, we're going to talk about New Eden, uh, the new episode that premiered on Thursday night, episode two of season two. Uh, <clears throat> so... Yeah, I guess uh, that's pretty much going to be the main thrust of our topic today. Yep. Uh, we're also going to cover our rewatches. Yeah, I know we both, I haven't watched a whole lot, but I know you made some progress in your rewatch. Mm-hmm. And uh, as always, we'll cover some other Star Trek content at the end of the show uh, that we want to kind of highlight. But uh, let's start with the rewatches and what, what we kind of have going on. Uh, I know you've made some progress, like I said, with season six of TNG. Um what are you up to? Um, so last night I watched Tapestry, um, arguably top ten track um, yep. out of all the series. I'm loving season six <clears throat> more than just like overarching. Not just talking about Tapestry. It's a great episode, obviously, but season six uh, starts off strong and I think only gets better as the season goes. So far, um, so excited. I'm so. So I'm excited to um, see how if it carries its momentum or, or what happens. But yeah, I'm in just this run of um, of uh, great episodes. So it's kind of like this perfect storm of uh, perfect storm of new discovery, but also like great trek as as far as like TNG. So um, pretty good time right now. Yeah, you're in a uh, you're in a good groove for sure, um, and it's a good time to have it with the new discovery as well. I think that's a lot of good good Star Trek, and yeah, I totally agree. The tapestry is way up there. Uh, I think that's that's a classic Star Trek. Great premise, uh, yeah. really revealing about the character card. Uh, you get backstory, you get new insights into you know how he ticks, uh, you know the, the, his mentality and how he views his own life uh, in the past and moving forward at the end of the episode. Uh, he learned something uh, that I think everybody can kind of relate to. Um, I think I think that's great. Now, remember when I was doing my last rewatch, season six of TNG was an interesting one because uh, there were a lot of major highlights. But I remember struggling really hard with like what was my favorite episode of the season between Tapestry and like Chain of Command, specifically like the back half of Chain of Command, the second part where he's with the Cardassian and being tortured. Yeah. Like feeling like man, picking one of these is like totally brutal. Like, usually it's pretty some a lot of times the choices are kind of difficult but that favorite kind of emerges and i'm like yeah that's that's going to be the one uh for me but uh that that trekkie award process for me was pretty tough and i remember posting like a poll i think asking people which one which was which of these two episodes do you prefer and memory serves it was one of those like 51 49 52 48 kinds of polls yeah and i think chain of command might have won but there were really good uh takes on both sides and a lot of people struggled with that decision too so I guess my question to you would be, uh, now that you've recently rewatched them, do you 
if we were back 10 months ago or whenever that was and you had to pick between Chain of Command and Tapestry, what do you think is the I would say Tapestry. Um, Okay. I think we just learned so much about how Captain Picard came to be and so much rich backstory. And I love... um, so there's some Q episodes that I'm not a fan of, uh, but this sure. episode I think is the right balance. Uh, I think John Delaney kills it um, in mm-hmm. this episode. Yeah, if I had to, if there was like gun pointed to my head, I would say tapestry. But yeah, I think I think they use Q uh, as well as they've ever used him in that one. He's got the, the humor's there. There's some levity to it, but there's also the gravity and the. The, the gravitas that's there in episodes like Hugh Who yeah. uh, and even Encounter in Farpoint to some extent like he's, he's yeah. kind of threatening uh, in, in in those episodes and uh, in this one he's he's holding Picard kind of by the cojones like he's, yeah. he's got him you know he's 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 totally in control of the situation yep. um, and uh, yeah I, I think it's a classic uh, for all the reasons you kind of laid out and I said at the, at the beginning of that conversation that I, I think the way that it sheds light on Picard's character and uh, balances backstory with setting the character off on not necessarily like a new path that we're going to explore moving forward, but telegraphing that the character's gone through an arc and has, has experienced a change in the way he views his own life is, is really satisfying. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that episode. How do you feel, like at the end, I feel like they, they try to... Uh, play the did it really happen or was it Picard having a an experience close to death yeah. uh, kind of thing did you have a did you have a strong opinion on I believe in my head canon it actually happened <clears throat> me too <laughs> um, just the way it seems like something Q would do um, <clears throat> and I like to believe that it actually happened um, and that it didn't and it wasn't just a, a hallucination by Picard um so yeah, I like to believe that actually happened. Um, Me yeah. too. Yeah, it's something that I totally believe that Q would do that. You know, mm. that's that's something that Q would, you know, in all his omnipotence and you know uh, all his abilities, he would he would be aware that Picard was experiencing a like a close to death kind of situation and would mm-hmm. capitalize on that opportunity. Yep. Uh, so everything we know about Q up to this point makes it easy to buy that it was real uh but i I love that they did that i love that they kind of gave it a little bit of that uh ambiguity at the end i think that gives the episode a little cute touch that uh just makes it all the better uh so i'm glad you like that one uh real quick other episodes that you kind of hit in that run uh like face of the enemy uh is a a good one yeah yeah Severely, severely underrated. Um, I love that episode. Um, Troy doesn't get a lot of, um, you know, spotlight. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it was it was cool to kind of see her take the lead on an episode um, where she's not, you know, floating in some <laughs> green screen. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was it was nice to see that. So you saw uh, the. Can uh, you agree more? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. I mean, you just saw that she she is capable um, of kind of taking taking charge and taking lead, and because I feel like throughout the show, like, does she belong in the bridge? Like, you know, is is she? Mm. Um, you know, she has moments where uh, the crew doubts her, but this 
mm-hmm. uh, great episode. So, yeah, I love the fact that it gives Troy <laughs> uh, an opportunity to kind of shine in the in, in a in a like a real dramatic like action adventure thriller kind of yeah. story. It's not a it's it's not completely. Uh, it's not it's not completely focused on like just her counseling job you know it puts mm-hmm. her in a different situation and uh she and and, she, and and there's a lot of weight on her shoulders and she's in a stressful situation yeah. that has like galactic uh import you know it's 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 got a there are big things at stake yeah uh and i think marina Sardis is great in it it makes mm-hmm. me wish there were more stories like this for yes. that character yep. for that actress i think she's got the, the chops to, to do it there's some really good scenes in that episode and i love the, the little nods to like unification and um there's some dialogue about spock being on romulus and doing his thing yeah uh trying to trying to lay the groundwork for what he's working towards with the romulans and vulcans yeah so uh, you're definitely in a in a hot point for for the next generation yes and i'm glad it's it's working for you um good stuff Yep. Um, where are you on your rewatch? I'm still in season three of TOS. Okay. Um, I watched uh, Plato's Stepchildren last night, uh, and then I think it was yeah, not not such a good one. Yeah. <laughs> that's a uh, I struggle a great deal with that one. I, I kind of like the concept of it. it these like uh, Hugh like omnipotent, you know, mm-hmm. extremely advanced mental. Uh, capabilities uh you know how that absolute power has corrupted them uh mm-hmm. and uh their their you know extreme mental pr- prowess has given them you know a physical weakness because they don't have to get up and do anything like the episode starts with the the kind of main platonian has like a cut on his leg and they need a doctor because he's going to bleed out because Physically, he's weak. Yeah. Um, everything, all his power comes from his mentality. Like I, I like the groundwork of the the premise, um, but this is an episode that really leans on like humiliating the characters with these like ridiculous, over the top things. Like there's like iconically cringeworthy stuff in this episode that I guess if you're looking at it through the lens of yeah, the characters are supposed to be humiliated, they a hundred percent are. Maybe it's effective, but I just feel terrible for the actors when I'm watching it. It's like, man, these guys are really getting put through the ringer. They're doing these awful things, yeah. uh, and it's 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 just a little too much for me. It's it's a little uh, it's a little overcooked, um, and it takes me out of it and it makes it difficult to watch. It's a little sadistic. Okay. <laughs> um, but <laughs> it's it's down towards the bottom of TOS for me. And I always want to like it because I like the premise of it. Hmm. Uh, I like the actor who plays uh, Alexander. Um, the dwarf um i think he's a good actor i think that's a cool character he's got some cool moments in it uh but it's it's a it's a tough watch uh, and then last weekend i think after we did our stream i watched the tholian web which i love i watched day of the great. dub which i love great episodes yeah. yeah yeah day of the dub is i think the closest to like tng onward klingons that we get in tos where like kang is this kind of you know, really rough and tumble warrior Klingon who's going to go toe to toe with Kirk, uh, and and is believably like a, a physical, imposing adversary for Kirk and the yeah. Enterprise. So I, I love that about that episode. There's a lot of cool stuff in that, uh, with with a really good message kind of underneath of it. Um, and Tholian Web, I, I I really like too. There's a lot of really interesting 
cool visual stuff in it and i love the idea of i love how aware it is of like the show's premise mm-hmm. and that it's it's all about taking kirk away from the equation and forcing spock and mccoy to work alone through a crisis without the benefit of having that guy at the top yep uh to, to pull both of their uh approaches together yeah uh, I, I like that a lot about that episode so um kind of a mixed bag so far in season yeah three. so recent run this uh to me since i've been following you and since um we've been doing this this is the longest i've seen you take on a given series how mm-hmm. has that has that changed your perspective on anything has it anything you've noticed or um stuff like that uh to some extent, yeah, I, I'm enjoying kind of taking it slower and letting the episodes marinate a little more yep. instead of just kind of constantly running into the next episode and kind mm. of leaving the last one behind. I like, you know, maybe doing f- four in a week instead of sometimes 12 in a week. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing anything and I'm really in, in a rhythm. Uh, I think it does let the episodes breathe a little more mm-hmm. and um, I give more time to I get more time to think about them. Yeah. Uh, and, and let my opinions marinate a little bit, I guess. So it's it's a, it's a very different experience than the last couple of times. The last couple of times, I kind of had my foot on the gas and was trying to power through. Yeah. And, and and do it at a do it at a more brisk pace. Um, so I'm I'm enjoying this and having a little bit more breathing room for the episodes. And uh, yeah, it's also it's keeping me when I when I do go to it, it's a little more fresh and exciting. You know, it's it's I'm watching other things kind of around it. I watch a lot of movies, and so it's kind of a comfort to go back to track here and there and it's not just the standard it's not what i'm watching all the time um so we have rob in the chat we have green salem in the chat thad in the chat and we have jordan who, who just said he can't, yeah thanks for coming everybody jordan says he can't stay long but uh he's gonna leave his quick comments about new Haven, new eden which uh, i'm not gonna read right now but i promise i'll read them when we start that conversation here in a minute and uh, we kind of get into it um but uh, he's sharing his thoughts on the episode, and uh, yeah, I think we'll. You want to get right into it? Yeah. Kind of um, jump right in. I got two things before we start. Heavy yeah, spoilers. Absolutely. Heavy spoilers. Yes. Um, so if you haven't watched it, go watch it. Come back, rewatch this. Second thing. Trek Live is also, um, with it being you know our goal is to create discussion with you guys and Bill and I. Um, but for me, it's also to explore my thoughts on each episode. So um, it's not just um, the conversation piece. It's also exploring my thoughts and what I think of it. and uh, Processing it. Yeah. So yeah. I look forward to these conversations. Yeah, that being me said, too. Yeah. That yeah, being said, I, I can, mm-hmm. Bill, what do you think of the episode? First of all, I echo that completely, especially right now because the episode aired two days ago. So like yes. it's early on and we're Super still fresh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Processing our takes. It's easy to jump to extreme conclusions, uh, which I am definitely 100 percent guilty of on almost every new episode of Star Trek that has ever happened. I'm always jumping to a <clears throat> positive extreme usually. Uh, so I do look forward to these conversations to kind of center myself and process my my takes. But uh Surprise, surprise, I loved it. I thought New Eden was was awesome. Uh, I haven't felt that way watching a new episode of Star Trek since 2005 when Enterprise was on. Like, it had that, like, kind of classic throwback Star Trek feel. Uh, that um, I love season one. I love Brother. 
uh, the first episode of season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this approached the the feeling of TOS TNG esque classic track more than uh, a lot of recent track has tried to approach or achieved that approaching, mm-hmm. uh, whichever way you want to look at it. But uh, I think it had a lot of really satisfying throwback elements while still maintaining Discovery's unique voice with, you know, being modern and, you know, uh, using more modern storytelling techniques with, you know, more serialized overarching uh, elements that carry over from episode to episode and kind of pull a season forward. I think there's that's undeniably there, but there are episodic elements to this episode that uh, really make it scream Star Trek to me. Mm-hmm. But what about you? What are your kind of quick overall? Um, I think it was a very, very strong episode. I think all the pieces kind of came together. Um, mm-hmm. Great direction, which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, yeah. Great story, great script, great dialogue. Um, just the visuals in this episode, again, they just keep keep pushing uh, that s- cinematic el- envelope um, with you know the visual effects the composition of shots it's it's very cinematic um, yeah. it was just all the pieces came together so made for a very strong episode yeah I I, I agree with all that I think visually it, it's it's awesome it, it, it uh, assured me that brother as like the big season premiere directed by the showrunner wasn't going to be a like an anomaly and, and no. not like the peak and then it was all going to kind of come down a little bit as far as like back into a groove of you know uh, not necessarily a lesser but a more routine visual flair this one had a lot of that same cinematic scope uh, that brother had um, so Thad says he felt the exact same way about it I guess he, uh, he mentioned my name so I'm assuming he Thad I'm assuming you're talking about the, the feeling of, of like old track mm-hmm. uh, being very present in New Eden and uh, what Jordan had said was um, said he, could, he can't stay long but um, he thinks that this is the best episode of the series so far great setup and execution although ultimately not quite as deep in some areas as it could have been but it's the right direction overall um, yeah I mean I can't disagree with that I think in a lot of cases even throughout Star Trek history you know you get these really cool ideas and because of the episodic nature of it yeah, you can't necessarily go as deep as you'd like to in, in some of these concepts, and I think we're going to talk about that. And I'm sure Jordan's talking about the, um, and I don't want to, I don't want to guess. If you're still here, Jordan, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure you're assuming that you're meaning that the the story of the colony and how they got there and what they're doing yeah. and how they live and all that might not be quite as developed as maybe some or many of us might be hungry for. Uh, it leaves you kind of wanting more as far what got them there and what's going on down there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I think you can maybe tag that to previous Trek as well. Uh, you know, a lot of episodes like this can leave you feeling the same way, kind of eager for more rushed endings because of the 45 minute constraint. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I think it, it, did you know anything about this episode going in? A few days before it aired, they did. Th- there wasn't really a trailer for this episode after the premiere. There was a like a more general trailer for what's coming in the season, but what we saw. But a few days before it aired, uh, 
a, a trailer did emerge. I guess Netflix, the overseas version of Discovery, uh, did air a trailer for the episode, and then it, it showed up and people saw it, and it kind of telegraphed us that they're going to find this human colony. Did you see that trailer? Like, did you know when you sat down to watch this what this episode was going to kind of be about premise wise? You know me, like <laughs> Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm off Twitter. I don't do anything. <laughs> I knew that it was going to be kind of an away mission esque episode because I saw photos um, beforehand of them in you know, like civilian clothes, not in their usual uniform. So I'm expecting a right. away mission episode, but I did not watch the trailer. No. Okay. I did, so I kind of had an idea. I couldn't. I can't say that I was surprised yeah. <laughs> in the in the teaser when they kind of laid out what was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, from the time I saw it in the trailer uh, through the episode, I was really happy to have you know a premise like classic TOS. You come across a planet and they're humans or human like people down there and you're trying to figure out like how did they get here what's mm-hmm. going on here what do we do with these people uh kind of similar to episodes you know all those episodes in tos like miri and bread and circuses you know they don't they don't they're not human colonies or anything but you're dealing with human-like beings and parallel situations to, to humanity and uh made me think of a, an episode of Enterprise that I don't really care for that much, uh, Terra Nova. It's an early, early episode where they come across an old human colony that people are irradiated, and what do we do with them? Like, this is their home now. They've been here for a long time, but should we take them back? Should we leave them here? Yeah. Like, a lot of these same kinds of conversations. This is obviously a totally different thing, and there's a lot more to it than, than what Terra Nova got into. But it reminded me of episodes like that that are, are sort of staples in Star Trek history, and I liked that. Uh, from the get-go when I knew that this is kind of the direction the episode was going in, and I think they executed it fairly well. Uh, So I was was very fond of the premise, Uh, and then when you get down there and you... I think we knew pretty early on that this season was going to delve into issues of like science and faith, and this episode definitely starts us down that path. Um, There are little breadcrumbs of it in Brother, uh, but this episode definitely lays the groundwork more intensely for these sorts of themes that I assume that we're going to get a lot of in, in, uh, in season two, uh, with, you know, they, they introduced Pike's backstory of growing up in a family with a mother who, if memory serves as a, as a professor of religion theology of some sort, Mm. theological history or something. She's, she's somebody who's very comfortable in the faith side of things and I believe his father was a a scientist so he's somebody who is experienced in what Michael Burnham is kind of starting down now this this kind of grappling with how do you balance science and faith Uh, I get the impression that Pike is very comfortable having these conversations and has grown up uh, balancing these things so uh, Burnham I imagine is going to experience things throughout the season with Pike that lead her to finding that balance and this is not necessarily all new territory. We got a lot of the stuff in Deep Space Nine too, uh, you know, with the Bajorans and Starfleet having different ideas about what's in the wormhole and what's happening there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not a completely fresh thing, but I can tell it seems like that this is going to take a different approach and be a little bit more of a personal story for Burnham. So, how did that element work for you? Like, are you interested in the storyline? Are you interested in this theme going forward? Are you comfortable with it? Like, how do you how do you feel about this direction? Yeah, I'm comfortable with it because um, in Brother, you started with this whole premise. It's this sure. this angel-like um, alien, um, which is kind of biblical in nature. Um, 
and there's a bunch of you know biblical and faith elements that I think they'll continue to explore throughout. Um, they explored in these first two episodes, but also I'm guessing you know the rest of the season. So yeah, um, yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's interesting. I think obviously the big twist in this episode is the discovery at the end, so to speak, uh, no pun intended, uh, that this this red angel appeared during World War Three and evidently had something to do with moving these humans. Yeah. So this is not an entity that is necessarily contemporary only with the discovery. Like this is not like a, a new thing that is isolated to the 23rd century at the time that the discovery is out there exploring. This is something yeah. that is not bound by time or has been around a very long time. Uh, and it, it seems to me that the pattern that we have in these first two episodes is that this these red ent- these red signals are drawing the ship towards people who need help. Uh, the Hiwatha the, uh, engineer uh, Reno, yep. you know, being in a in a very difficult, stressful situation with not a whole lot of time left. Uh, the discovery is pulled there by the, the signal and they take care of her business, they save her and then obviously this planet is looking at a catastrophe that's going to wipe them out and so it raises all kinds of interesting questions uh, about you know what, what's going on here what's, what's, what's behind it uh, but I kind of like that, I'm hoping that and, and the, the, the one of the things I was a little nervous about with Brother and I'm hoping that one, one of the things that Brother kind of sets off is Spock's notion that these signals are something that's inherently evil. Like, it threatens all sentient life in the galaxy. Um, That's fine, but, you know, I'm I'm eager for some Star Trek maybe to not necessarily be a threat with this massive thing that's like where the stakes are so high that, oh my gosh, everything... Like, that. sometimes that can be repetitive, and I don't think it's always necessary to have the stakes quite that high. Uh, um, And what we've seen so far kind of leads you to think that, you know, maybe it's not a bad thing. You know, maybe, maybe Spock's wrong, hopefully, that, that you know, th- these red signals are not inherently evil. You know, maybe there's some sort of side effect that we're going to learn about that is causing damage that's going to that's gonna be problematic. But mm-hmm. I'd, I'll be pleasantly surprised if whatever's behind these signals and the red angel is not a, um, is not necessarily a negative thing. I think that would be a cool twist that would be in keeping with classic Star Trek, that the thing that you think is a threat and an adversary mm-hmm. is just, it's just a matter of coming to an understanding and learning more about it to, to get to a point where it's something you can live with. You know, yeah. like that would that would make me happy, which I can see. I can see them like kind of exploring, you know, it's that's what they expect because look what they just came out of they came out of a sure. war so i think yeah. that i think that would be a cool twist like you mentioned to uh mm-hmm. to kind of see if they explore that so absolutely yeah, yeah. um I, I think we should talk about the direction and the, the the visual nature of this episode there are things like even early on <laughs> the uh <laughs> that transition at the beginning like when they it's like a, a whip pan, like they then they whip to yeah. open the open the doors into the bridge. I'm like, all right, it's a Frakes episode. Here we go. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, very similar to Despite Yourself. I, I think yes. there's a lot of visual flair in that episode. Uh, I, I talked about that last year. I thought Despite Yourself was an episode that was really leaning heavily into exposition and kind of setting up this mirror universe uh, half of the season. There's not a lot of big th- things happening in it, but Frakes does a lot of visual stuff to really spruce it up and make it exciting and, and fresh. And uh, this episode, there's a lot more going on, like from a plot standpoint, uh, but he brings a lot of the same visual flair that he, he did to Despite Yourself. Um, and just like visuals, like the some of the ship shots, like there's just something inherently Star Trek about, they're not warping, they're jumping, but the, the Discovery jumps and they arrive and the ship pulls in front and you see like a ringed M-class planet, it's pulling up to it, the music swelling, like that's just classic Star Trek. It just yeah. gives you that like warm and fuzzy feeling that I'm watching Star Trek, like yeah. undeniably Star Trek. Uh, things like that, shots of the, of the, I almost said the Enterprise, the Discovery in orbit of that planet, just really cool imagery that um, you, you don't get, you, there's not a whole lot of ringed planets in in, in Star Trek, they're kind of rare. Um, mm-hmm let alone ring the M-class planets. We get, you know, Insurrection has one. Uh, it just, it looked really cool. Uh, yeah. Things like the, the ship shots, but uh, yeah, the, the, the more traditional, uh, you know, on-set actor stuff is, is really visually exciting too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anything else about the direction that like, stood out to you? Were there moments in it? Like uh, the, the way it was cut? Anything like that, like really jump out um, at you? The, the structure of the episode. I think it, it was just again, it was very polished. Um, but there was just some. I mostly see it in um, just the cinematography. Um, mm-hmm. There's, like you said, there's definitely his flair, um, mm-hmm. and I think that I don't know. I always get excited. Um, when Frakes is directing because he has that I think he's got the perfect director because he um, he was an actor himself so he knows how to direct and and kind of um, work with these actors uh, and get their best performances out of out of them mm-hmm. but also highlight those performances with great camera work and great direction as far as uh, that goes so I think he, it's just the perfect balance of um you know, acting and, and that film process. Yeah. So. Yeah. Which makes sense coming from an actor and a director. <clears throat> yep. Uh, the focus is everywhere and not just on the visuals. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I, another big thing visually, Enterprise Extras here. Jim, you know, welcome as well. Uh, appreciate you stopping <laughs> by. I know you're a big fan of this episode. Uh, so, so are we. Um, but. Um, <clears throat> more of an overall theme maybe than something specific to this episode I mentioned this last week because I I think that the sets are a little brighter lit I think they're a little more comfortable Uh, I I was really noticing that and like the sick bay scenes with Tilly and uh, the stuff on the bridge we spent a lot of time on the bridge in this episode with um, uh, during the rescue of the planet I think I think the bridge really looks like bright and dynamic and uh, visually interesting I'm a huge fan of the the sort of a little bit more uh brightly lit and colorful versions of the sets. I think it's it's more warm and welcoming than maybe it was in season one. Um, so, definitely a fan of that. Jim says, Alex Kurtzman mentioned yesterday on the Facebook after show that the moment of Tilly running the wrong direction was a Frakes edition, not scripted. Uh, it was not in the script. Yeah, things like that. I mean, <laughs> I, I saw that Facebook uh, live show as well. Um, and I saw him say that. And 
yeah, things like that. You know, a lot of times we don't know that unless we get to see something like that or we read about it. You know, what what was not in the script and what did the director uh, throw in there? But uh, it, it's it's nice to know that Frakes is you know has the opportunity to add cool little things like that, and he's not completely restricted you know, to go with what's on the page. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yeah, how's Tilly working for you this season? Speaking of Tilly, uh, I've seen I kind of see mixed reports on Twitter. I, I, I've seen people you know continue to love her and think that she's a, she's a major highlight of the show. I've seen some people say that her humor might be a little bit much and a little overcooked. Uh, yes, Jim, he should have directed Nemesis. It would have yeah. been a better movie. Couldn't agree more. Uh, but how, how does Tilly? Uh, how's Tilly faring for you this season? Uh, I'm liking her character and, and where it's going as far as storyline goes. Um, I think it gets better as we go. Um, mm-hmm. I think she has some some interesting um, kind of things she's exploring as far as like sci-fi concepts. But also mm-hmm. there's that mystery with her with her dead friend and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think it's, it's slowly um, strengthening this like B-plot throughout... Uh, kind of the whole season so i'm really excited to see that but yeah i'm liking it i'm not a tilly yeah <laughs> no me neither i think yeah. tilly's great i think i think tilly I, I said this kind of from the beginning even I, th- I think i remember talking about it when context kings mm-hmm. premiered uh that tilly is kind of what they try to achieve with sometimes maybe mixed results with like early early bashir early harry kim like green green hoshisato like green starfleet officers who are really raw and not experienced out there like tilly is i think the the best example of that a character that is believably uh sort of unprepared to, mm-hmm. to be out there i think hoshi's pretty successful early on but she gets comfortable fairly quickly yeah. um but i think uh, tilly's arc of you know really uh becoming accustomed to you know life on a starship and being an officer and growing into that role and um making mistakes like she may be made this week in this episode with you know maybe getting a little ahead of herself with cutting out the asteroid without help you know making mistakes seeing her you know get reprimanded by saru but in a kind of reassuring and loving way yeah like these these are like classic star trek sorts of things where it's uh it's positive uh th- people are doing good things with good intentions but um you know uh are, are learning from their mistakes. I just, I really like that arc. And uh, a through line that I've liked in both of these episodes is I really, really like the dynamic between Stamets and Tilly. I yeah, think that just friendship is really hammering home uh, something good. I really like um, that chemistry between those two actors, those two characters. I believe their relationship, uh, you know, they, they, they did a good job of kind of quietly building, building that up. Yeah. Like, early in the show, it was apparent that that was going to become kind of a bromance kind of thing where these two characters are going to be really tied together Yep. Uh, from, you know, working together in the engineering bay with the support drive. Uh, I love that they've kind of quietly built that um, really intimate friendship. Uh, they can, they can say things to each other that they're not going to say to other people. Yep. Um, I, I didn't see that coming and this season's done a really good job of uh, portraying that. And I think that she's almost like depicting us, the audience. Like, I feel like the audience would do anything to, bring back Culver and make him happy or something like that. Drill into an asteroid mm-hmm. without anyone's help. Like, we would do anything <laughs> for uh, Stamets. Yeah. So I, I think that's that's cool, too, that they're exploring that. So Yeah, in the true tradition of Star Trek, you have a friendship where these people are, like, willing to do anything for each other. You know, in, in all these Star Trek shows, you have these really tight-knit uh, friendships that develop that... Uh, 
uh, are kind of the, the backbone of Star Trek in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, these these friendships and relationships are the embodiment of where we need to go. Like this is how we need to be to each other. And uh, Tilly and Stamets seems to be operating in that tradition. Like it's it's building this friendship where these these two people uh, will hopefully get to a point until he's kind of already there that. You know, her, her, she, she'll do anything to save a friend or you know, make life better for her friend. So I love that. Uh, Jim says he's loving the Tilly stuff. Sure, a few of the jokes maybe missed or went too far, but I'd rather they go too far and then get moments that hit than try to reel it back in. Yeah, yeah like yeah. They, they've kind of established that Tilly's like this huge personality and not always socially smooth and says things that aren't necessarily right. She's like rather than pull that back and, and like numb it out to. To, to, to correct that, I think um, what they're doing is is right. I'm I'm totally fine with uh, the the going too far occasionally uh, yeah. jokes that Tilly um, brings about. And yeah, the new Tilly mystery is amazing, Jim. I think that's really cool. I, mm-hmm. I'm sure it all goes back to that little green dot that you see. Yep, exactly. Um, I'm sure like that's been telegraphed since that episode. They kind of made it very clear that I'd pay attention to that. That's going to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't see this coming. I didn't. I didn't expect like this to be the way that that's going to happen. No. Nope. And I, I was surprised. Did you know? Like, did you have any idea when that character first appeared that it was going to be something like that? It, I was. It seemed odd at the beginning, but I was like, um, yeah. you know, it's okay. But then it it mm-hmm. just, I didn't expect it. Um, which I'm used to now in Discovery. Things not that I expect happen. So, mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. it's awesome. Yeah, I, I, it totally surprised me. I did not see it coming. I, I assumed it was just an officer on the ship that was helping her, and it was going to be a little cute guest character that Tilly was going to have a little friendship with. Uh, it, it, it legitimately surprised me, and I thought it was well executed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so um, I like the way they're going with Tilly. I love the way they're going with Stamets. Uh, I thought Stamets' scene at the beginning where he's explaining his struggle with even going back to the spore drive uh, and going back to the mycelial network. He knows that Culver's in there. And um, he knows that things are going to get dicey if he goes back in there and sees him again. Uh, he, he was struggling with getting out of there the, the last time and had to be kind of pushed out. Uh, that That's all credible and makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, it leads to it, it, there's a real emotional component to that that, that feels earned. Um, so I, I like what they're doing with the characters overall. I think I think uh, Tilly and Stamets are really well developed, um, and they're laying the groundwork for a cool arc for, for both of those characters independently and together. With Tilly with the command program and yeah. Stamets dealing with Culver and how they both kind of link up. I also like what they're doing with Pike and Burnham. There yes. is this still like distrust um, mm-hmm. that they're exploring, which is cool because. Back, if we look back at Star Trek history, it's it, you when you like the Maquis and uh, Starfleet in, in Voyager. Pretty quickly, everything kind of falls in line. <clears throat> I think this is still kind of at the forefront of at least Burnham and Pike's relationship. Is they still don't really trust each other yet, and they're still kind of exploring that and working on it, um, which I'm glad they're doing. <clears throat> I think. Um yeah, I, I think it makes a lot of sense for Burnham, especially to, to kind of. You know, Burnham's been through a lot. You know, Burnham. As far as Captain. Not only yeah, she <laughs> she 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 made mistakes with Giorgio that led to her mentor and hero. You know, demise that that's that's got to be traumatizing and you know 
plays into all her decision-making and how she reacts to things. And then obviously Lorca was a, a whole different kind of dynamic person. She started to trust and believe in and turned out to be somebody completely not worth, you know, trusting at all. Yep. Uh, so it, it makes perfect sense to me that Burnham would, would, you know, I think it's pretty obvious that she really wants to trust Pike and believes in him, but there's, there's some hesitance and some, uh, some natural, um, you know, ambivalence to like jumping right into it. And she, she, she questions things and they have debates. And I think that's natural. I love, uh, Pike and Burnham debating science and faith and how these people should be, you know, handled like that's Star Trek to me, them on the planet. Do we take them back? Do we leave them here? Does the prime directive apply? Like just those kinds of conversations just scream Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Uh, and just hearing those things and sitting there watching that. That's why, that's what I meant when I said at the beginning that I haven't felt that way watching a new episode of Star Trek since 2005 enterprise, uh, in moments in enterprise, like hearing those kinds of dilemmas and conversations are, are, are just so, uh, baked into the language of Star Trek that it was really refreshing to, be there again um so yeah the burnham and pike stuff definitely worked well for me yep um <clears throat> what about um are you pleased with and I, I think a lot of people this and this is not like groundbreaking or anything but one of the missions of the season is pretty obviously to do a better job of selling the crew coming together as a real crew and a family um, and building up these sub characters that are on the bridge. Detmer, Awushikin, who's on the away mission on, on the landing party. Um, are, are you satisfied with at least the direction that they seem to be going in with giving these characters a little bit more of a voice and a little bit more to do? I am. I think it's, it's, it's definitely fun to kind of see them um, starting to kind of care for this bridge crew. Um, I like to, I like that they're, that they get stuff to do. Um, it's interesting because <clears throat> I thought that um, when Discovery was being in development, they were saying this, this is not going to be, you know, focused on the bridge crew. This is not going to be your typical, you know, five, six character, you know, bridge together. And now we're at this point where, well, that's what we want, you know? So I'm curious to see how that, um, do they keep coming forward and kind of, kind of mold into this, you know, like we've seen before, or do they still keep it, um, the bridge crew a little bit distant, but also keep these characters, um, you know, in focus. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that works out throughout the rest of this this season and and beyond. So, I suspect that it's going to be more <laughs> closely. I don't think we're ever going to get to a show because I don't think that's the way the show is structured to where like Detmer and Awushkin and Ariam are going to be as equal. You know, they're not going to be equal parts of the ensemble. But I think it would be cool to get to a point where characters like that feel as integrated to the crew and a part of it as you know Sulu and Chekhov and Uhura do in TOS. Like they're, 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 they don't have especially great supporting like, development. Characters. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they're they're there. They're they're, they're yeah. doing their job. Different, different missions here and there. They they contribute to the conversation on the bridge. They're they're, they're <clears> helpful <throat> on these missions. But um, the show is the TOS is about Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. Right. You know, and Scotty might be like in the middle there. He's not anywhere near those three characters. But he's a little bit more developed and a little bit more of a presence than some of those other characters. Um, I think if we can get to a point where some of these sub characters on the bridge feel like some of those characters did in TOS, you know, mm. valued and important, but not necessarily 
uh, equal to the ensemble, I think that would be a positive. Uh, Penske File and Enterprise Extra Jim are kind of talking about the Stamets dynamic. Uh, Penske File thinks that Stamets is maybe a little bit mopey and um, kind of just waiting around until Culver. The Culber thing starts to develop a little bit further. Feels stranded as a character, and Enterprise Extra says that um, he doesn't think that uh, Stam- Stamets is completely moping around. Um, the bridging Stamets to Culber. Um, Stamets was excited to help with the asteroid and, and brother, and showed up on the bridge after listening in and had to run, run, run to the spore drive to save the day. So he's 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 involved to the extent that he can be, um, but he's certainly uh, dealing with. Um, but I think that yeah, I I think that we kind of touched on this um, uh, when we covered brother um, and the Penske file kind of has a point there is um, Stamets the Stamets character is kind of in this mood point and I think uh, Bill you said that he probably um, is gonna come back to the spore drive because you know he didn't have much to do. So I think mm-hmm. I think you're right, and that it's gonna go more towards uh, back to the spore drive. Sure, and I think I think they kind of telegraphed early on before the season premiered. You know, one of the things that Anthony Rapp, I guess, was allowed to talk about leading up to season two is that one of the things Stamets is dealing with is he doesn't really have a role in the ship anymore. Yeah, the, the, the spore drive is kind of shelved. He doesn't really have a job. That's what his whole life's work was. Um, that's 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 what he's dedicated his career to is studying this thing and building to this point and it's kind of been they use it in this episode for a purpose and I suspect that that'll continue to be kind of the DMO the they won't use it unless they they really have to and it'll kind of keep it in play uh, on a limited basis uh, but that, that's something that Samus has to you know, reckon with you know how you having your career kind of pulled out from under you and figuring out not only did you have your partner pulled out from under you and unexpectedly pulled away your life's work but now your your life's work and your, your yeah. career path kind of taken from you too so you know i think it's natural for stamets to kind of be standing around going now what like what am i going to do yeah. like, I, don't have, I, don't have, I don't have my guy i don't have my my job i don't have you know you know my life's work's kind of hit a wall we kind of know what it does but it's it, it's it's not going to be what i thought it was mm-hmm. it's not going to be able to be used the way i thought it was going to be able to be used so um I buy the Stamets thing. I'm, I'm, I'm totally on board with the, the, the direction of that character. I'm sure because of the nature of the way these stories are told, where it's a it's a long arc, you know, that, that story is going to evolve. And we're laying breadcrumbs here. This is episodes one and two. And I'm right. sure Stamets is going to look a lot different in episodes 11 and 12. Um, you know, things are going to happen between now and then. And it's going to lead to bigger, more, you know, more plotty things, yeah. I guess. Um uh, I said this to a couple of people just talking about the episode. I, I try not to talk to you before we go on here, mm-hmm. uh, so I didn't I didn't say a lot of these things to you. But um, I think that the scene towards the end of the episode uh, between Pike and Jacob in the basement is probably my favorite five minutes of Star Trek Discovery so far. I think that's 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 Discovery's best scene so far. What are your thoughts? <laughs> Um. Okay. <laughs> Let me just uh, again. This again. I mentioned it at the top of the show. This is me exploring my thoughts. Um. This is what Track Lab is built for. Also with the the discussion part of it. <clears throat> mm-hmm. To me, season two um, is all about compromise. And let's let's take a take a look back at what has all been compromised. Mm-hmm. Um, they compromised the captain's share of the discovery. Mm-hmm. 
they compromise, um, <clears throat> I guess. <laughs> There's just a lot of compromise that I don't know if is warranted. Um, they compromise in, well, we got to use this board drive again. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going against Starfleet's orders against this threat or this these these seven symbols that I don't know I don't know the next compromise they're comp- compromising general order one mm-hmm. that's a lot of compromise for something like this I don't I don't it's tough for me to wrap my head around it and I think at least for what I'm getting with it that's the point is that we're supposed to struggle with this compromise, these things that they, you know, they have to, and we've seen it before in track. Easy. We've mm-hmm. seen it before in track. They've mm-hmm. broken this sure. general order one uh, mm-hmm. before. So I just, I don't know. I'd like to see less compromise and stand up for what the Federation was built on. Mm-hmm. Um. And that, that makes sense for you to say yeah. because you love you, your show is Voyager. Yes, a big through line in Voyager is Janeway. Kind of, you know, even though she doesn't, she's not always consistent with it. But like uh, a, a major point to her character, kind of throughout, is like these principles are where is what's going to get us through this. Like we, we're going to stick to it as much as we possibly can. Yep. But she too has to compromise at times. Like she she has to fudge and <laughs> and stray off of the rule of the day occasionally yeah um but it, it, i thought and i've seen this kind of debated on twitter here and there um you know the the, the general order one applying to, to these people is sort of an interesting question uh and I, I first of all i love the fact that we can talk about these things because it this episode kind of inspires these kinds of discussions i think that's um, the thing, yeah, and that's the thing. Like these guys are human. Like they're from Earth. Oh, um, great point. But great point. They, but at what point do they become their own thing? Now they're not on Earth. They're somewhere else. They've been there for two hundred years. Uh, and Jim's point about this shouldn't apply. So I guess Jim, if you're like you go down there and you tell them you guys have been taking Earth, Earth's a lot different now. It's been two hundred years. Let's go back. Like, and that's that's to me that's. You can make that argument, and that's just as valid as as any. Um, and I don't know what the right answer is, and I, I love that. I, I'm I'm all about hearing uh, these different points of view. Are these people now their own thing because they've been here for 200 years and they've built their own culture and you know history, and we should leave them alone because they're removed enough to be their own thing now, or are they human and do they have a birthright to being on Earth and? Understanding their heritage and where they came from, and you know, Jacob certainly wanted that. And I know Jim is a big fan of the Jacob character and the uh, the, the performance of that actor. Um, you know, that that's a character who whose whose whole heritage is about questioning and not taking everything at face value and uh, believing that it's not as simple as the faith tells him it is. And I guess you can make a case too that they were seen beaming out like they're they they kind of already that alone you can make a case kind of already by it you know they they when they jacob and the female leader of the colony i guess break into the church and see them beam out that they're kind of had already that Mm -hmm. something something fishy is going on um so i the 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 fact that there's a, a meaty conversation to be 
how to handle this problem and what to do with these people is is Star Trek to me, and that's why I love it so much. And back at the top of the show, um, Jordan mentioned this not going into this episode, not going deep into some topics. To me, mm-hmm. this was the big deep moment that. Um, I think they were going for to kind of spark discussion and, and to get us as an audience thinking about, um, mm-hmm. which I thought is really successful because obviously we're having this discussion. So, yeah. yeah, this is an episode that I think is more concerned with getting people to talk about these things than it is establishing, you know, minutiae details about this colony and yep. they live, what's going on there. Like that, that's a, that's a direction you can certainly go in and you can explore how a colony like this can exist and how they built up and what they're doing and how they've survived and what kind of society they have. But I think it's okay for this episode to be more focused on talking about these kinds of things. And that's clearly to me, like the direction that they went in and this is the kind of story they decided to tell. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, that's why I love it so much. And that's, I, I, part of me wants to say kind of just to jump ahead, I guess, to like, how does this episode fit in? And I've seen a lot of people say like, this is the best episode of discovery. And while I was sitting there watching it, I was definitely thinking that, to be honest, I was sitting there thinking, I haven't felt this way watching Star Trek since I was a kid in the 1990s and the early 2000s. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but part of me wants to let it marinate a little bit because I I, I, I want to make sure that that feeling and that premise and the type of story it's telling and that classic Star Trek vibe isn't artificially inflating it. You know, I want to I want to let it age and and, and watch it a few more times in the future to, to make that final determination. But um, I just love that we can sit here and have these kinds of conversations about a new episode of Star Trek. That's yeah. exciting to me. Yep. Um, Jim says he'll also say anyone who thinks there's some kind of Trek incongruity or just wrong, General Order 1 applications pre-Kirk can be applied anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... Yeah, I mean, Star Trek has fudged the issue plenty, and especially or even early Kirk. Early Kirk, you know, in the 23rd century, he's out there deep in space and has to make quick decisions in episodes like Taste of Armageddon and yeah, Apple, and yep. he fudges it often. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> Every captain has it. Yeah, yep. Yeah, pre-Kirk is so undefined. We don't really know. Jim says pre-Kirk is so undefined. We don't know what, like, the rule of the day is. We don't know what, like, the standard operating procedure is. Now, Pike seems to be implying that, you know, he's pretty by the book and that it's pretty cut and dry. Like, we can't get involved with these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, that, that seems to be his interpretation of it. Um, but, you know, like, like I said, Star Trek has kind of built so much history on being in these situations and sometimes having to compromise your 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 policies and procedures to the situation that you're in and having to think on the fly and analyze the situation and decide does it is that the way to go here um sometimes there's a greater good mm-hmm. um is is a kind of classic star trek premise and i totally understand like i said you know because you're such a voyager guy and voyager is the show that you kind of came up on that and, and that's such a talking point throughout that show that Janeway believes that the only way they're going to get back to the Alpha Quadrant is by sticking to these principles and following the letter of the law as much as possible and not compromising and not doing what the Equinox did. Like, that way lies ruin. Like, that's going to cause the ship not to succeed. Mm-hmm. So I totally get that line of thinking, and I think that's perfectly reasonable. Um, that's why I love the episode so much. Yeah. 
So, closing thoughts, I guess. We've talked a lot about this episode. Um, um, anything, any other things that we haven't touched on yet? One, one thing that I did kind of write down, actually, if I can ask you um, before we jump too far along. Um, Saru and Tilly's humor, like the scenes between them. We haven't talked about Saru at all. And it, did those scenes work for you? Like, I, I laughed out loud between Saru and Tilly. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm 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 loving their dynamic. Um, it's kind mm-hmm. of getting better as it goes. I think Doug mm-hmm. Jones uh, does a great job of this um, heavy-handed father figure, but also this loving friend. And yes. I think yeah. that just goes. I think it's a good quality in a captain. I'll say it. I want that's who I'd like to see in the captain chair moving forward. But um, yeah, especially. Um, I don't know. In this episode, I definitely laughed out loud, like you said. Um, had some great moments. Uh, so I'm loving their dynamic so far. The other thing I'll say about Saru, I totally echo everything you said. Uh, the, the, that balance between loving friend and like father figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's clearly, they're kind of clearly making, making it clear that Saru is sort of Tilly's mentor in this command training program. Yes. Yep. So Saru is very much involved in that. Um, and when Saru gives Tilly the speech in sick bay about you have to take care of yourself, uh, th- that there's a lot of. If you go back and you watch the butcher's knife, cares not for the lambs to cry. Giorgio's in Giorgio's will to burn him that she gets at the end of the episode, and Giorgio talks a lot about that. You have to take care of yourself mm-hmm. and be prepared to you know take care of the people around you. Like there are echoes of what Giorgio told Burnham through that in Saru's speech to Tilly, and to me that makes sense. It makes sense that. Maybe Giorgio gave a lot of those speeches to Saru yeah. in, in his upbringing, and that there's a cool uh, verisimilitude to that. That the, the, you know, Giorgio's uh, mentorship of Saru is making its way to uh, Tilly through Saru. I, I love that. Um, another thing that I loved, I think, like every little episode, we get a little bit of um, kind of the production design. I love um, Pike's revamped ready room. Um, it's warm. It's it's inviting. Mm-hmm. It's it's um, kind of intellectual. Like sit down and like mm-hmm. this kind of study yes. and kind of um, mm-hmm. discuss these heavy topics um, that they're kind of exploring throughout this whole um, episode. And on production design, like in Brother, you know, we got shots of the Enterprise. That was cool. I think mm-hmm. this was kind of like the uh, a big piece, along with kind of more. Um, uh, more of the shuttle bay and the kind of technology that they were using and and yeah it was it was cool so for some production design elements as well as um, what we kind of talked about already as uh, things that I loved so yeah couldn't agree more I couldn't tell you how excited I was I think it was right after the main credit sequence they come back and you have a scene like a, a, an extended scene four or five minutes of Pike Burnham and Saru like in a briefing room kind of setting talking about the problem like how did this happen what do we do like just something that simple was enough to like make this trekkie's heart yeah <laughs> sore like it was just like wow this is star trek undeniably yeah uh that that i loved and to me like the difference between this and brother and i love brother i think brother's really good mm-hmm. um brother you you kind of term it insert action sequence here brother has that kind of stuff in it yeah where this one this one doesn't. This one is is a bit nitty gritty Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, instead of, you know, and I'm not one to say. I'm not saying that I completely dislike the the little pods making their way through the asteroid field and brother, but 
you know, when I think of Brother, those kinds of that scene kind of comes to mind fairly quickly. And it's amazing. It's cinematic. It's 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 exciting. It's well done. Um, but when I think of New New Eden, I think of um, Pike and Burnham and Saru sitting around a table trying to figure out what with this. And that that's more Star Trek to me, uh, than the insert action sequence here kind of stuff. So. That, to me, that would be like the tiebreaker if I was choosing which of these episodes I prefer. I, I think New okay. Eden is more of the trek that I'm hungry for than, uh, than Brother. Than maybe Brother. And Brother, Brother by its nature is because it's the, <clears throat> the premiere episode. It's laying the groundwork. It's setting things off. It's yeah. it's it's a lot of exposition and it's 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 laying the terms of the season out. Uh, putting and, and there's great stuff. The first twenty minutes of Brother is spectacular. Uh, Pike getting on the ship and explaining and. You know his background and yeah. drawing the stark differences between himself and Lorca, and trying to earn the trust of the crew. Yeah. The roll call, like that stuff's great. Star Trek. Yeah. Um, the stuff with Sarek is great. Um, but I think this one, on a more consistent basis, is aiming at what I love about Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I kind of saw people talking about on Twitter, um, kind of af- after the episode aired, is there a kind of this consent like it's it's everyone's kind of sad to see like this we see this pike now and then the tos pike like how did how did he get from you know potentially sacrificing himself to jump on a phaser to um kind of what we see kind of down the road so mm-hmm. um yeah that's just something i noticed on twitter when i was just going through it so oh yeah and i think that's going to be one of the one of the fun things about season is kind of because you know where pike ends up it's it's all kind of foreshadowing to that and to me you know pike gets injured in the menagerie the the set the the setup to the state you see pike in in menagerie is he kind of sacrificed himself to save cadets on a training mission Mm -hmm. and that's how he got exposed to these these delta rays that crippled him um so little things like that being willing to jump on a phase uh illustrates his his willingness to you know put his life on the line to save others yep um and to me, that's that's all fitting and adds to the whole, you know, arc of his character. And that's one of the one of the cool things about Discovery that I keep saying is it's adding more context and more meat to TOS things that we've kind of taken for granted for 50 years. Uh, you know, it's 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 adding to the storyline of Journey to Babel and it's adding to the storyline of the cage and the menagerie bike and uh, all these things are, are it's giving us all new reasons to go back and watch TOS saying because it's adding all these new colors and yep. context to things that we thought we knew um, we're, we're getting more color and uh, depth to these storylines that when Pike was on. when Pike was talking about con- context I thought he was going to say context is for kings so I was like <laughs> is he going to say it is he going to say it but mm-hmm. he didn't so uh, I just thought context that was kind of a, a con- funny little mm-hmm. moment in the, in the episode I think it's cool that context seems to be like uh like an ongoing theme it kind of goes to what you were saying it's all about context it's all about the details and the situation that you're in yep. compromising and, 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 and taking situations one at a time and, 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 and you know not necessarily completely holding true to your principles and sticking to what's in front of you it's, it seems to be a theme of the show you know Lorca had one approach and Pike obviously has the complete opposite of yeah. and it's, it's kind of finding you know the crew finding their way to the best versions of themselves through these different captains, I guess. 
so I, I love it. I'm loving where it's going. I'm excited for what's coming. Uh, th- this this was to me a really satisfying episode of Star Trek on a number of levels. I thought it was good discovery. I thought it was good Star Trek um, in the, in the bigger picture sense. Mm-hmm. And as I said a few minutes ago, I'm 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 gonna hold off on saying, you know, top fifty, top hundred, top two hundred episode. So new, and because it's it's. Where does the rank goes as far as discovery goes? Maybe I'll try that. I don't, I don't even know. It's, it's, up, <laughs> it's up there. It's it's. I'm tempted to say it's an A or an A minus. Uh, yeah. But it's 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 early, uh, and and this one has the benefit of, you know, serving up that really tasty Star Trek stuff that I think. I don't want to. I, I feel dirty saying that it's like artificially lifting it up, but I want to see how it marinates, sticks through the season, and yeah. how the context of the season impacts the episode, and how it how it feels a little bit down the road before I like slot it into any anything. Right. Um, but my first instinct is that I I loved it, and I'm pretty confident that I'm going to stick pretty close to that final assessment. Yeah. Um, if we're talking episode grades, I know I'm sitting here saying I'm not really ready to do that yet, but. I think I had said, brother, if I had to put point, like pinpoint something, I think I said B plus, and I think you said A minus last week. If like gun to your head, you have to say something. What do you say for this episode? Uh, it's an A plus. You're being honest. It's, uh, an, a no, it's, in, it's an A. It's, it's an, an A. a. The, okay. <laughs> the compromise thing that I kind of talked about brings it down a little bit, but I think mm-hmm. it is um, uh, better than brother um, a, a little bit. Um, but I think it, it's it's still very strong. So, mm-hmm. do you think it's? Uh, are there episodes of Discovery that you would feel comfortable saying that you prefer to this? Into so the far? forest I go. Into the forest I go. Yep. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, it's yeah. it's that it's in that conversation. Uh, to me, it's into the forest I go. I love. <laughs> I, um, I love what's past this prologue. I love context is for kings, and I feel confident putting this episode kind of in that realm i'm not sure where it falls yet i don't know if it's number one or number four or five but it's 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 gonna probably be in that conversation yeah uh, jim says it's an a and it's gonna be in the top five discovery trek ranks um he, he says it's better than brother in his opinion for sure uh, what about mvp i i, I always ask this now like who, who, what was the mvp of the episode um As person MVP. production element you guys should know this it's pike it's pike i feel like the season's gonna be mvp pike um i think uh he does a good i think this is tos in that um you know you you talked about it before they were in that briefing room they were discussing they were discussing um you know what they should do um it kind of made me think of you know um, you know the doctor Spock and Kirk kind of having this conversation. Um, yeah. Before, so. Pike. Yeah, to me, I, I, I'm I'd probably say Anson, Mac- um, just because, like I said, uh, I think I think that scene towards the end of the episode where he reveals himself. I love the way Anson Mount plays that scene. He's got like a, a grin on his face that keeps growing as he's talking. Like he's almost embarrassed by how awesome like, what he's sharing is you know like there's 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 such a genuine like yeah i know this is cool uh vibe to his performance that i just love um 
and, and I know Jim had said on Twitter when I asked this, he, he mentioned the actor was Jacob. He, he might cite as the MVP of the episode, which I think is a cool pick because he, he is very good. He, he's he's uh, up, he's a classic Star Trek guest character that that is like genuine and um, well drawn and good performance. Um, he's as equal part of that. He, and he's as equal a part of that scene as Pike. Uh, if, if you're a big fan of that scene like I am, um, he's, 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 a, he's certainly a good pick. Uh, but I, I just, I'm, I'm so refreshed by Pike uh, as a whole. That I, I think you're probably right. I'm, I'm sure Anson now will probably be a, uh, a popular choice as we go through the season with that question. I think yeah. it's often going to be uh, a strong consideration. Yeah. But there's a lot of things you can consider. I think, I think, uh, I think Mary Wiseman's really good in this as Tilly. I think, uh, I think. Uh, I love the direction. I love the location shooting. I've said this before, like whenever Star Trek goes on location and they're not in a cave or on like an artificial forest, like you, you see a lot in old school Trek, like it just, there's a, there's a real, real feel to it. And when they're walking around the, the exterior of the church and the, the cemetery, it just feels like they're in a real place because they are, they're outside. Um, yeah. So I love, I love that. Anytime Star Trek feels cool. Um, so those kinds of things are all definitely in play and the writing as well, you know, because uh, the, the premise gives us these kinds of conversations uh, to talk about yep. with Prime Directive and the fact that Star Trek's going down that road again makes all these things, makes the writing uh, as, as valid a choice as some of the performances in the production element. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Jim says all that angst just under the surface for Jacob. Uh loves that guy he's carrying these questions that he doesn't really have a an avenue to ask them in his community you know that he, he seems yeah. like an outsider who doesn't uh have that that outlet to to really explore his his real questions until pike reveals himself and the crew gets down there i guess uh, i think that's that's well well put yeah mm-hmm. And Jim makes a bold prediction. He says he still likes uh, context is for context is for kings for his number one, but this is probably going to be his number two. So and that's Trek ranks exclusive. Yes. Yep. At Trek Live here. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that sounds pretty fair to me, and I appreciate the uh, the sneak peek at how it's going to fall on Trek ranks. His brother slotted at all yet? <laughs> so curious to see if you have placed that yet, um, and where where it fits. Um, definitely be eager to know but um, I think that about does it for that part of the conversation I think we've kind of covered New Eden pretty pretty deeply as far as I'm concerned I think we've covered a lot of things yep. it's definitely a fun conversation um, what about other Star Trek content have you um, um, discovered anything new yeah one week? thing I'd mention um, there is a bunch of content um, going out, going on on the Axonar YouTube page. Um, a lot of people forgot about it. Kind of, kind of went to the back burner a little bit. Um, but there's a lot of. Um, it's a touchy subject for many. Yeah, uh, it's they've got a lot of behind the scenes footage. Um, they're going over, you know, visual effects clips um, for the upcoming um, two-parter. I guess they're calling it. Um, so that's one thing I'll mention that you guys should definitely check out. Um, I also checked out uh, Trek Nation for the first time. Um, it was an interesting documentary, uh, if I could call it that, uh, about uh, kind of Gene Roddenberry and, and everything 
that entails. So definitely check that out. Amazon the fandom. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I haven't seen that in a long time. I remember it coming out. Um, but yeah, I, I'd be curious to check it out again at some point soon. I haven't. Yeah, it's. Um, I guess I've seen it in a while, but yeah, it's Rod, a little, Rod Berry made that. Yeah, yep. It's a little um, kind of all over the place, but I think um, it has some cool moments in it. So. Yeah, I was honored to uh, be a guest on Thad's Delta Flyer podcast the other night. Uh, we recorded an episode about resolutions. Uh, so that'll be coming fairly soon. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I love that episode. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff that I think that episode is good on its own merits, but I think it leads to a lot of interesting conversations about, you know, Jane Wayne Chicote and uh, the, the, the overall arc of Voyager and that uh, I think got into a little bit on that show. And I'm excited to hear it um, and excited for everybody to listen. Uh, so that was really fun. And a couple of podcasts that I haven't talked about before that I really enjoyed um, is the, the Disco Trek uh, hosted by um, Chase Masterson who plays Lita in Star Trek Deep Space Nine uh, it's a Star Trek Discovery uh, show um, they have a lot of cool guests on that show um, and I would definitely recommend that I guess they're going to be doing kind of what everybody does uh, most shows do these days which is you know recap the episode and share you know people's thoughts um, and then Shuttlepod is a trekmovie.com podcast uh, that is doing the same thing as well recapping episodes and sharing thoughts um, I listened to both of them and of course The Edge remember Trek FM uh, all really good discovery content um, and Enterprise Extras uh, Trek Ranks podcast episode number 47 was like a mirror universe such a uh, fun episode that yes. was a fun Ooh. listen that's, that's the idea was so different that I've never seen before it was it was that was a good episode yes totally agree that was one of the more that was it was a really fun one uh, they're always fun but that was outside the box i really enjoyed that uh thad says disco nights is the uh podcast i'm talking about yes trek disco trek which is also awesome is on the track order transmissions and that's their discovery recap which i also uh tend to listen to and always enjoy there's a lot of good good personalities on that show uh so no end to star trek discovery recaps out there uh, lots of content lots of ways to uh, you know, get your fix for Star Trek Discovery conversations. Um, they they're all over the place. So it's yep. just a few of the ones that I've enjoyed yep. so far this season. Yeah, I guess we can start wrapping it up. Um, the discussion doesn't have to stop here. Um, come over to our Twitter, um, Facebook, uh, our podcast feed, which we're posting to every week. Uh, along with the YouTube channel. Um, I just want to thank everyone who stopped by. Um, I know there's a bunch of Star Trek Discovery content out there and discussions. So I, you guys make the show stopping in. Um, so I just want to thank you for that. So Yeah, thanks everybody for watching. Everybody who's here, appreciate you. Helping to steer the conversation and share yep. your thoughts. Uh, Thad, Jim, Rob was here at the beginning. Jordan shared his thoughts at the beginning. Yep. Uh, Green Salem was hanging around. So appreciate everybody who was here, everybody who's watching, listening on iTunes now. We're available on iTunes as a podcast uh, version of this. Uh, so definitely would appreciate some subscriptions and reviews on that platform as well. Uh, appreciate everybody listening in, watching, and helping us sort through our take on yep. New Eden and Star Trek Discovery as it keeps going. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. I'll echo what Bill said, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks. Yeah.
Thanks, guys. Hey, this is Trek Live Dan again. Like I said before, the discussion does not have to stop here. Come over to our Twitter, Facebook, and our Discord channel to keep the Star Trek discussion alive. See you guys next time.